You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Oh! It is Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. Uh, doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Bulls. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Text messages and voicemails at 331-979-1369. Hit us up there. We're doing an entire mailbag episode. So welcome back if you're listening to this. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for listening on your holiday. Thanks for spending 25, 30 minutes here with us here to break down all of your questions. We haven't gotten to a lot of mailbag questions over the last couple of weeks with all the games going on. A lot of the breaking news and some of the guests that we've had as well haven't got a chance to get to our voicemails and to our text messages, but that's what this entire episode is about today. So first of all, Matt, we're recording this on Wednesday, but uh, happy happy early Thanksgiving to you and happy Thanksgiving out there to everybody listening today. Indeed. Happy Turkey Day. Hopefully everybody uh, in Bulls Nation has a nice Thursday off where... If you're a Bears fan in addition to a Bulls fan, hopefully we're talking about a, uh, another Bears uh, victory and an 8-3 and three football team. Because I don't know about you, Jordan, but the Bears being relevant again has certainly helped me cope with the start to this Bulls season. Yeah, I would agree. If this Bears season had taken a turn for the worst... Yeah, it would not. It would not be a fun off season, especially if you're also somebody who is a White Sox fan. It would not certainly not be a great off season because we're as White Sox fans over here too. We're we're wondering if the White Sox are going to spend money this off season, and if they don't, and the Bulls being bad, and if the Bears would be bad, it'd just be a bad winter here in Chicago. So uh, it's nice that this bull this Bears team. Hopefully they pick up a win today, but uh. If you're listening to this too, maybe they'll add on in addition to that Bulls game last night. Hopefully that was a win as well. But yeah, getting to your text messages and voicemails, you can drop us a voicemail or text message at 331-979-1369. Matt, real quick before we get to that, had one follow-up from our interview with Darnell Mayberry real quick. 
were you surprised at all that he said that the Bulls should entertain the idea of bringing in John Wall? Well, I was thrown back by that. Like, I sat here thinking, like, I can't believe he's serious about that, but maybe I have a totally lost perspective on who John Wall is now as a player than he was three or four years ago. And that contract, to me, just is is absolutely disgusting. So combining those two things, I was absolutely shocked that Darnell said, yeah, you know what, if they pick up the phone and, and, and it doesn't cost you all that much, you need a star in order to win, which I do agree with. But I don't know if John Wall's. Yeah, that I guy. mean, let, let's uh, let's let's not throw Darnell under a under a ridiculous bus here. It's not like he was advocating that the Bulls should make that move. He was just right. saying, in in a hypothetical world, if the Wizards are trying to really you know just tear everything down, the Bulls are certainly lacking in star power, and it would at least be smart to pick up the phone and see what it would take to get him. Um, I but I I mean I'm with you. I between the fact that he's already you know uh, you know uh, pushing the wrong side of thirty and that I mean the contract you mentioned that extension it's like 170 mil over four years with like 45 million being paid to him in the 2022-23 season like. I I don't I want no part of that. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. The kicker of the contract extension hasn't even kicked in yet. So you're talking about upwards of of forty plus million on the backside of that contract. So yeah, not trying to throw. And there are also questions about like how much of this weird locker room chemistry problem in in Washington right now is John Wall's fault. And it seems like a lot of people think a good amount of it is John Wall's fault. So I don't know. I, like that could be the that would be the very last guy. I'm I'm totally out on John Wall. I liked him as a player when he was younger, and I thought he was really good, one of the best point guards. But now, like I mentioned before, the comments, too, he made last year were just really weird. He was out of shape. He looks in better shape now, but he, he came into last year, and even the start of this year looked like he was out of shape and just didn't look like a guy that you spend a whole ton of money to sign that extension to. Doesn't look like that t- return on investment is going to be great, so... Yeah, I'd like to steer clear of that, but I'm not trying to throw Darnell under the bus. I was just surprised. Like, and maybe maybe it's part of his Wizards fandom too. Is he'd like to see that in Chicago too? But uh, yeah, no thanks nope. on that money. That money is just gross. no thanks. But yeah, let's get to let's get to some text messages and voicemails. You can do that at three three one nine seven nine one three six nine. So we'll rattle off, go through a lot of the text messages first, and then we'll play the voicemails at the back end of the episode. So the first one comes from the three one two says, with Josh Jackson off to a slow start, if the Suns want to move on from him since they have Mikhail and Ariza, would you all be interested? And if yes, what would it take for the Bulls to give up? What would the Bulls have to give up for him? I know it might not happen, but I'm just curious. What do you think about Josh Jackson's Well, game? I mean, I, I mentioned in our little Suns preview um, before our Casey Johnson interview that uh, he's he has certainly been off to a slow start and was not as overwhelming in his rookie season that people were expecting compared to because like if you remember Jordan Josh Jackson flew up draft boards pretty late coming into that draft uh last year uh all of a sudden everybody was like oh Josh Jackson Josh Jackson Josh Jackson um and like I certainly saw NBA potential uh from the tape I watched of him play uh in his college season I mean I think it's too soon to say that the Suns are ready to give up on him. I don't think they are. And just because they added Mikhail Bridges and they have Trevor Ariza, I mean, I don't know if Trevor Ariza is a long-term solution to anything because, you know, the guy's no spring chicken. And uh, 
I, I think that the Suns would be wiser to keep themselves invested in a young piece like Josh Jackson. He can still be a solid role player to the you know the core duo of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. They don't need him to be a, a first tier caliber star. They need him to be a secondary star, and I still think he has that potential. Um, he would, be, I think, he would be a solid piece for this Bulls rebuild. I just don't see the Suns being willing to part ways with him unless they get something really substantial in in return. And when it comes to the Bulls, what are you sending back? Who are you sending back? I just don't know. Look, I was only impressed with Josh Jackson in the last month of his season. Last year, he was putting up crazy numbers, and that was most in part because Devin Booker wasn't in for the Phoenix Suns at the late back end part of last year, and so they had to rely more on Josh Jackson to be the primary scorer for them. Look, he put up 36 last year. He put up 29 so he's got the ability to score, but we just haven't seen that this year. And I, I'm with you. I don't think the Phoenix Suns are ready to give up on him. Trevor Ariza is only on a one-year deal, too, so he could be gone as early as next year. And look, they spent a, a top draft pick on Josh Jackson, so I don't think they're ready to just say, you know what, haven't seen what we needed out of him in his rookie year, wash your hands clean, we're done with Josh Jackson. I don't think that's the case with Phoenix. The only way I see him getting moved is if they're going to be in play for a guy like like we had just talked about, John Wall or Bradley Beal. If they're interested in that discussion, then I think Josh Jackson is going to be a part of that deal. But it would take a lot for the Bulls to get him. I know that the the value right now doesn't look there, but the Suns are going to stay. Well, he was still a top draft pick. He's only he's only been in the league for a year. He's still super young, so we're going to need more back. So I don't know what the Bulls would be able to give up, and I just don't think the Suns are ready to to wash their hands clean of Jackson unless they're getting a star. Yeah, um, yeah, I th- I'm with you. He he could be a, a trade piece if they're trying to get a huge name star, but other than that, I don't see them moving him. All right, next one. Jeremy from Idaho, one of our regulars. What's up, Jeremy? He says, okay, okay, Matt, I see you. I concede. Stack up the losses. Circumstances as they are, let's do it your way. Bring on the 2019 draft. Thank you, Jeremy. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the enlightened Bulls fans. We should be losing. I'm glad to have one more on board. I'll sit here, and the only thing I'm going to continue to say is those fans who are ready to stack up losses, you're going to be pissed off in April. You are. I'm sorry, but you are. You're going to be mad because the Bulls aren't going to lose enough games to be in the top three conversation. I'm sorry. It's just, it's the way it is. Markinen, Portis, Dunn, all of them coming back fully healthy for even just half a season. This team isn't going to be that bad, man. They're in games right now playing half the Windy City Bulls. I I, I don't... Half. I don't... When Felicio's (laughs) getting starting minutes... Or not starting minutes, but he's playing legit rotation minutes and Shaq Harrison and Cameron Payne. Brian Archidiakno. I don't disagree with you that the Bulls are obviously going to be a better basketball team when they get some of these guys back. And now we know that they're not getting Denzel back at all. Um, but even getting back Markinen and, and Bobby and uh, Chris Dunn, yeah, they'll be better. But And it's not like I'm saying the Bulls need to be a team that finishes with one of the top three spots that all have the, the equal number of odds for that top lottery pick, but they will be a lottery team. They should be a lottery team. They're not a playoff team, even when these guys come back. So in the meantime, it is in their best interest to have as many losses under their belt as possible so that, who knows, maybe they get lucky again. They got lucky in 08 with Derrick Rose when they had less than 2% chance of that number one pick. The the larger the odds, larger the non-zero odds that the Bulls have at landing... The number one pick, a top three pick, hey, it all helps. 
Yeah, I, t- I see. I tend to agree with that. I'm fine with that. But what I want to see is this team, when they are fully healthy, play decent. Be able to pick up wins, learn how to win at the back end of this season. And I know that sucks for the tank, but maybe those are one in the same, man. Maybe they can learn how to win games at the back end of the season. And with the NBA looking like it's better across the entire league than it was maybe even just a year ago, maybe you do still hang in that conversation of a a top five, top six draft pick. And the lottery odds are a little bit better, even if you are slightly outside of the top three, if you end up at four, five, six, or seven. And hey, look it. Remember last year when we had to flip-flop spots with the Kings? After all of that, we flip-flop spots with the Kings and the Kings ended up in the top three. So anything can happen in those lotteries too. So that's all I'm saying. Anything can happen. I'm just saying, you know, a a non-zero chance at adding another blue chip lottery pick is better than, in my opinion, some wins when you're playing shorthanded. That's true. Okay, I will concede to that. I will agree with that. All right, next text message here. Uh, This one comes from the 815. says, just listen to Friday's episode Got the answers I didn't want. New questions. Any tips on watching warm-ups, etc.? We saw Bulls-Bucks last year. I'm in Milwaukee. Got pretty close during warm-ups. Is it similar at the United Center? What other activities should I watch out for kids? 13 and 14. So this is more just a roundabout question, Matt. Looking for ideas when you're at the United Center. Look, the United Center is is a good place to watch a basketball game. One of my favorites. Uh, There's a ton of places and ton of new places to eat at the United Center. I would say, I don't know if it's changed at all, but the last time I checked, if you get there early enough and if your kids are young enough, probably around 13 or 14, you might be able to sneak past the security guards until there's about 30 minutes left before tip-off to be able to get your kids close to maybe where guys are walking in and out of the locker room. But yeah, there's plenty of stuff to do at the United yeah, States. And they also have you know opportunities for... Uh, well, you should definitely go to the new atrium if you haven't been there since that has been uh, put up. 100%. Check out the the Madhouse on, on Madison store that's in the new fancy atrium now. That's where the new that is the new location for the MJ statue. Walk around there, take a photo op with the MJ statue. Uh, they usually somewhere around the concourses will have uh, a group of uh, you know bull staff with the uh, the posters. You can go um, make yourself a sign and uh, you know quick quick plug quick shout out to my guys who do uh, Bulls pre and post game coverage for NBC Sports Chicago. Mark Shanowski, Will Purdue, Kendall Gill. They're always at the home games. Um, so if you want to go check out uh, their show when they're doing pregame or postgame, maybe do a little wave to some of your family members watching at home. Get yourself on TV. Make a make a bull sign and uh, just hang out behind the set. And sometimes, especially uh, if you bring kids, uh, the guys will, you know, whether it's before or after the show, before or after pregame or postgame, uh, be nice enough to, you know, hang around, uh, hang out a little bit. And sometimes they'll also give away uh, authentic fan tickets for games down the road uh if you got kids with you so that there's another idea for you there just don't just i got one i got one thing for you to do just don't hang a sign in front of the tv set that says something along the lines of fire guard packs or you know in the blackhawks case i just saw this a couple weeks ago some dude put up fire stand bowman and security guards were on him like within 15 seconds you could see the guy the, the poor guy had to put his sign down, and I don't know if he got kicked out of the United Center or not, but uh, yeah, 
just avoid those signs if you can. Uh, but yeah, there's a ton of different stuff to do. Like you said, the atrium and the statue, I think, are are, are one and two to go visit at the United Center. And, you know, the, the Bulls are usually pretty good about letting kids hang around the sidelines where um, where the guys walk into the locker rooms. So you can catch guys even as as late as 30 minutes before the game's about to tip off and they start doing some of their pre-game warm-up stuff. You can catch guys and catch autographs. I know I've I've talked to a ton of people who've done it in the past who've gotten autographs from guys who are willing to stop and sign stuff. So if that's what you're into, also look into that for your 13 and 14-year-old. But hopefully those are some of the other things that we can help you out with. All the food there is great too. A little overpriced, but uh, it, it's, it, it's pretty sure. good. All right, uh, let's uh, take one more here. Um, in all caps from the 217 area code Daniel Tosh said Jabari Parker is getting paid 20 million to miss layups how accurate uh, I did I, were you aware of this Jordan I did not see this I did not see it either I I'm not really a big Tosh guy like you know I used to watch his show occasionally but I feel like the shtick is kind of worn off it's like all he does is like comment about viral videos um, which was a thing when viral videos became a thing, but now the viral videos are just like I'm on on Twitter all day every day. Probably by the time that Daniel Tosh does an episode about something, I've already seen it. Um, but I so I I didn't even know that a he was still making shows and b that he he took a dig at Jabari Parker. What do you think about that? I had no idea he was still doing his TV show. Like like you had said, like Twitter is kind of taken over and Instagram in some ways it's kind of taken over his shtick and like a lot of those people can just instantly upload it with their comments and people do it in reaction videos anyway so he was like the the original guy to do that before kind of Instagram Snapchat all these social medias kind of blew up and his show is popular I I have not watched in a long time but I'm gonna see if I can pull that clip for our fans it's pretty funny um the one counter to his though I don't know about you, Matt, but I hated Rob Deerdeck's show uh, on MTV. I forgot what it's called, but it's similar thing, playing viral videos. One of the worst shows you ever watch. Just just throwing that out. Uh, I am not familiar. Um, hold on. I think it's called Ridiculousness. R- ridiculousness. It's, it, it, yeah, here. I just found it online. Terrible show. Terrible. Absolutely terrible show. <laughs> Um, all right, 11, it's 11.09. Should we pause? All right, on to the 224. 224 asks, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I have a question. What will help this team improve defensively? All right, on to the 224. 224 asks, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I have a question. What will help this team improve defensively? It is not uncommon. Uh, wow. It is not uncommon for a team to have bad shooting nights, but it seems as the Bull, as the Bulls just not communicating, challenging drives to the basket, switching, it all looks bad. What would be the ground zero starting point to improve? Thanks, you all are the best. So, Matt, um, any, any wildly, wildly uh, bad defensive moves that the Bulls can instantly change? Is there anything collectively that these guys should change, like, I know there's a ton and we could spend an entire episode on this, but anything that you've seen over the last three or four games that has really bogged down the bulls on this defensive side? I mean, he hit on one of them uh, and actually he hit on a couple of them switching, uh, communicating, 
challenging drivers that are on their way to the basket. We saw some laughably bad possessions in transition defense against the Bucks and the Raptors uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, the, the Bulls are bad at all of it. And to me, the one that has been driving me crazy all season long so far, I know it's been driving uh, Will Purdue crazy as well. It's his key to the game before every game, rebounding. I know that the Bulls, you know, are not exactly the biggest, most you know, muscly team in the league, uh, and they're shorthanded. But the rebounding has to be better. The Bulls are such such a weak team that uh, the, like they can't be giving their opponents second chance opportunities all night, every night, and that's been something that they have been guilty of on on almost a nightly basis. So as as far as like what helps this team improve defensively, be better rebounding. Try harder, box out, and then when it comes to the communication and chal- and uh, you know switching and stuff, that's gonna hopefully improve when you get guys like Chris Dunn and Bobby Portis back because Dunn certainly a vocal leader on this team, and Bobby Portis is certainly gonna bring the emotional effort uh, and guys fall in line and follow his lead when he's on the floor. The Bulls right now, as we sit here, this is before the Phoenix Suns game. They sit number 24 in defensive rating, 110.9. The Phoenix Suns are at a 112. Uh, The only teams worse than the Bulls right now in defensive rating are the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Wizards, the Knicks, and the Cavaliers. So the Bulls haven't been atrocious, bottom three, but they're pretty close to that right now. So... I think the biggest thing for me is what you said in transition defense. You know, Stefan No put out a great, it, it, it's like a diagram, a plot of where the Bulls were at as far as pace goes and what games they were in and what games they were getting blown out in. And I was actually surprised to see that when the Bulls slowed the game down, they actually were hanging around in a lot of those games. They were making teams actually put together offensive sets and actually score that way. The way that they were getting blown out was, was trying to run super quick with other offenses and keep up and the bulls can't do that when they've got a lot of young guys out there don't have a lot of experience and you just get knocked down by that the turnovers pile up and easy transition buckets can change a game going down from two possessions you could be down 12 pretty quickly so i was surprised to see that slowing the pace down now that i'm thinking about it though makes a lot of sense the bulls can slow things down they actually give themselves a chance as opposed to just trying to run with other teams who frankly, have run them out of the gym. You look at the Bucks team who was able to do that. And with all of their length and their transition offense, it's, it's, it's unstoppable. So for me, slow the game down. You know, don't be super crazy and don't be careless with the ball and slow the game down. It's helped them already and it's shown. Uh, here's another idea for improving your team on the defensive end. Uh, here's a text to us from 540, hashtag sign Joakim. <laughs> uh, probably somebody who saw the news uh, a couple of days ago. I think it was Monday, right? The report came out that the Memphis Grizzlies are in extensive talks to sign new free agent center, Joakim Noah. Um, Jordan, what are your thoughts on uh, the Grizz maybe signing Joakim? And do you think that it, it would be worth it for the Bulls to to jump in and try and bring him back? I mean, I don't know. N- the Bulls, no. Uh, no. But the Grizzlies lacking in veteran leadership, lacking in defensive effort. I mean, that stuff all sounds like Joakim to me. Do you remember when he was here with Fred Hoiberg the last time, though? <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm saying 
this in jest. And also because like I just really love Joakim, one of my favorite Bulls of all time. And I, I would love to see him finish his career in Chicago at some point. Uh, but you're right. I don't, I don't see it happening now as long as Fred Hoiberg is here. The Grizzlies are a really interesting team. Dude, Marcus Saul has already played as well as you could possibly play for a guy that old already. Like, it's super early to already be talking about this, but he has to at least be in the conversation as far as early season MVP. He's been really, really good for that Grizzlies team. And you see him getting him healthy back, getting also Mike Conley back. That Grizzlies team's actually not bad, and they've been able to slowly, progressively bring bring along... Uh, uh, wow. What's his name? Jaron Jackson Jr. There we go. Mm-hmm. They've been able to slowly bring along Jaron Jackson Jr. and they haven't had to throw him out there like the Bulls have had to do with Wendell Carter Jr. And I like that for the Bulls' sake, but they can slowly bring him along and be, and I mean, who's better to learn from than Marcus Saul, who's been one of the best centers for the last decade in the NBA. So, uh, yeah, no signing Joakim, but defensively, limit limit tr- easy transition buckets. I think that's where it's got to start. That's where it's been the ugliest. It's like the Bulls give up such easy transition buckets and that's just all about effort guys don't want to get back on the one end when they turn the ball over quickly on the offensive side like especially if you get a guy coming down in transition say say it's Zach Levine for for instance Zach Levine comes across the half court line and he turns it over right away you think Jabari and a few other those other guys on the team are going to get back on defense to try and stop something (laughs) no they're probably pissed off because Levine just turned it over bringing it up for an offensive set like those things matter and those things I always take into account when I'm thinking about transition defense it's like guys get pissed off when somebody's just ball hogging and then they end up turning it over so eliminate the easy buckets in transition for me yeah i'm uh i'm with that and just uh to uh final touch a final thought on uh <clears throat> memphis I, I would love it if they uh if they brought in joe keem they, they are kind of thin in their front court uh you know of course marcus all he's never been a guy who can play like heavy minutes he's averaging 34 and a half minutes per game this right now through 16 games of the season i i can't expect him to be able to keep that up as much as we've seen him be a like you know iron man kind of guy in the past I, he's also had some some injury plagued seasons and i don't know how far they want to push him uh because they are surprisingly 11 and 5 uh, like atop the southwest division you know, beating New Orleans, beating Houston, beating San Antonio. Nobody saw that coming with this Memphis team. If Joaquin found his way onto a competitive Western Conference team, it would make me so happy. Justin Anderson's been a good pickup for them, too, stealing him away from the Spurs this summer. I don't think anybody thought Mike Conley was going to come back and be able to be somewhat similar to the point guard he was before all of his injuries. Same thing with Marcus Gasol, so... No, it's kind of interesting watching that Grizzlies team. They've got a lot of young players in combination with all of their veterans, so they might be an interesting team to watch. I don't know if anybody's going to sign Joakim, and if they do, I think it's going to take probably till January or, or February where some teams get desperate. But you'd like to see him get a shot. You don't want to see him go out the way he did with the Knicks buyout and the injuries and all of that. So Yeah, man, yeah. that's that's all I'm saying. And, hey, if, if he does a stint with some Western Conference team for a season or two and – Somewhere down the road, Fred's no longer here. He wants to come and have a farewell season with the Bulls, or heck, maybe two. Be a, be a, the veteran leader and the, the mentor to Wendell Carter Jr. I would not be opposed to that at all.
All right, this text message comes from the 562. This is from Sam in LA. So this is, my question is, Denzel Valentine's going to be out for the entire season. Are the Bulls forced to keep Justin Holiday to fill in that wing role, or would we see Chandler Hutchison playing a lot more than we did before? Uh, this is a good, that's a good question. Um, thanks for checking in, Sam. I, I see what he's saying because we were expecting at some point to get Denzel back into that rotation to, to eat up some of those minutes at the wing. And now that is not the case. I think Justin holiday has been playing well enough and shooting well enough that he's actually increased his trade value a bit to a non-zero number um, for a team that is a competitive team that needs some, some wing depth and some scoring off the bench. I think Justin holiday can be that guy for a, for a team that's better than this Bulls bunch right now. So, if we'll, we'll, see, I mean, Holly's leading this team in minutes. Um, he's up there, you know, like upper, I want to say around 35 minutes per game, maybe even more than that. Um, if they continue to play him heavy minutes and continue, and he continues to play as a net positive with his uh, efficient three point shooting, uh, and at least, you know, not, not quite subpar, right around average level of defense and defensive effort. Um, at that wing position, maybe they'll be able to find a deal for him. And I hope that they will because I do still see Chandler Hutchison as a guy who needs to get minutes. Holiday's not a piece of this rebuild long-term. He was a you know a fill-in on a short two-year deal to provide some veteran leadership and some shooting, and he's done that. Fine. But Hutch, man, you, you promised to draft this kid, and he's struggled for the most part in the looks he's gotten early on this season you got to see if he can be a real player in a season that's probably going to be a losing season when it's all over with. Throw him in the deep end. Give the kid more minutes. Let him play. Let him figure it out. And uh, that that would be how I see Denzel's absence shaking out. Justin Holiday's trade value has never been as high as it is right now. Am I, am I Justin saying that? I think so, yeah. Looking at his numbers right now, you're right about his minutes. He's at 34.9 minutes per game. He's shooting a career-high 41.5% from the field, shooting a career-high from three at 40%, taking 7.4 three-point attempts per game, shooting over 40%. You can't tell me that a competitive team looking for a little bit of a boost off the bench can't use Justin Holiday. So to me, if there's anything the Bulls need to do this year, as far as the trade market goes, is move Justin Holiday for something. He's not coming back next year. And he's on a really, really team-friendly deal. He's only making, I think, $4.5 million this season. He's going to be a free agent next year. You're not going to use him going forward, so get some value for him. And, and as much as I said the Bulls don't care about second-round picks, if that's all it takes for Justin Holiday, fine, make the deal. Or find a package where you can move him somewhere. But I think a lot of teams around the league would look for a guy that can shoot 40% from three off their bench. Like, yeah, he's not the greatest defensive player in the world, but at least he gives you a little bit of a length. And if you can play him at 15, 20 minutes at a time, he's also a guy that can be a reserve role. In case some player gets hurt, he can be a guy that can step into that role. So, yeah, his his trade value hasn't been any higher than it is right now. And I'm, I always think about when we talk about Justin Holiday, back to our caller, Philly uh, Hayes from Philly back in the summer, where he told oh us, God. guys got to stop talking about Justin Holiday's trade value. So I had to laugh at that a little bit. But, yeah, man, like if there's a, a time now to move on from Holiday, it's, it's before the trade deadline this year. So get something for him. And as far as Chandler Hutchinson goes – 
I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of Bulls fans talking about they think that already this is going to be a wasted project, that uh, he should be down with the Windy City Bulls working on a jump shot if he wants to hang around in this league. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm that far down on Chandler Hutchison just yet. I mean, I uh, I want to believe in him as a piece of this rebuild. He certainly has shown flashes of at least being a wing who can attack the basket. He's got mad hops, um, and that also helps him with his above-average rebounding skills for a guy playing in his position. You like his length as uh, you know a defensive uh, perimeter player. There are a lot of you know elements to his to his body, his physicality, and his game so far that I like and I see potential in. It's as you said, it's all about him developing a reliable, threat-worthy shot from outside. Can he fix his shot? Which right now the form, the release is so slow, takes him forever to get up a shot. When we've seen him get clean looks and have all the time in the world to set his feet, gather and shoot, he actually has been knocking some down. That's the encouraging thing. The part that worries you is this is a quick catch-and-shoot league and it's becoming more and more so by the day. You need to be able to get your shot off quickly, and he's having struggles with that right now. If he can develop a reliable outside shot, I have real faith in Hutch being a pretty solid role player for this team. I don't know if he's going to develop into a guy who's capable of filling the massive hole we have at our starting wing spot right now, our starting small forward spot. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say the potential there is that high in my eyes, but it's potential at least to be a, a decent to, you know, slightly above mediocre player, certainly a above mediocre two-way player with that length and athleticism on the defensive end too. Yeah, you brought up all of the things that we thought he was going to be good at. And like he's shown flashes of being able to withstand and be able to knock down some shots. Just hasn't been that consistently. And I thought we were going to see a a better result from three than we have so far. He hasn't taken that many. He's only averaging 1.2 per game. He's only shooting 21.1%. So I thought we were going to see a little bit better of a three-point effort from Chandler Hutchison. But that's something that you had mentioned. You said people close to the team have said that that his shot is slow and it's it's weird and it's super mechanical and that they've got to try and fix that and quick and and speed it up a little bit. And if that doesn't translate, that could mean some trouble for Chandler Hutchison. But I'm going to wait to reserve my thoughts on Chandler Hutchison until we get fully healthy. I'd like to see him actually be in a rotation with competent guys that can actually score, and he doesn't have to go out there and feel like he's got to chuck up a bunch of shots. Finding good opportunities to get him buckets, I think, is is the key here to, to boosting his confidence and actually figuring out good spots for him. So I'm going to reserve my uh, thoughts completely on Chandler Hutchison until we get fully healthy. Fair enough. All right, to wrap up the show, we're going to play some voicemails. You can drop those at 331-979-1369. We'd love to hear from you. This one is from the 630. What's up, Matt? What's up, Jordan? It's Maharshi again. Um, a little behind on my podcast. I'm listening to uh, October 25th here. You guys are talking about the conspiracy of uh, why the why the um, training staff is uh, continuously not monitoring our, our players and why, why they keep getting injured. I have my own conspiracy theory, and um, I have, I have, uh, I don't know. So um, basically, I think that the the uh, the Bulls upper management, Garpax, is uh, stretching these injuries a little bit 
more than they uh they might be. Uh I just I just find it strange, you know, that Chris Dunn has a kid and all of a sudden he gets injured and um is not playing. I don't know. Is, is it possible he's just sitting at home taking care of his kids, wants to be uh, away? You know how moms do that. Um, or you know all, all these injuries. It's just it's just I have a feeling it's, it's stretched out and they're not actual injuries. And I think what they're trying to do is some. I have a conspiracy theory against the Seventy Sixers that every single one of their draft picks at some point was had them sat down and said, "Hey, you're gonna sit not just for uh, six months. You're gonna sit for the entire season." So we can tank, 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 tank. And I agree with Matt Peck at this point, watching these Bulls. You know, I, I think we need one more extra extra player that will get us over the edge. I don't care about the development because none of these guys, none of these guys are going to get you anywhere. So take the hell away, shit, until we get someone that's special, like Luca. Luca is a guy that, you know, the franchise-changing changing player I don't see that in any of our players. Not yet. So, um, I agree with Matt, and uh, there's my conspiracy theory that the front front office here is actually just, uh, um, you know, stretching these injuries so we can uh, take our asses off. Anyways, you guys have a, have a good time, and uh, thank you uh, for playing the message. And again, uh, go Bulls. Bye-bye. All right, thanks for the call. Pretty Pretty funny. Um, thinking about the 76ers, look, like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both had season-ending injuries, so you can't really you can't really qualify the Bulls' injuries with those guys' injuries. So let's put it in that facet first. And the conspiracy theory about sitting guys longer than they need, like, yeah, you could play that up a little bit, I guess. But maybe we were just hoping that they were going to return sooner than they needed to. So, like, Markkanen, for example, is more 8 to 10 weeks than the original 6 to 8. And I guess if you're looking at the bull sense, why bring him back if he's not 100%? If he's 97%, wait till he gets to 100%. And I think that's what the Bulls are kind of doing. They're not they're not in any rush to bring any of the three, Portis, Dunn, and Markkanen back. Because once they're back... They don't want them to re-suffer injuries that they had before. So I, that's my only explanation to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would go as far as to call it a conspiracy theory. Um, I think it's just a, a team and a front office and a coaching staff that is being very careful with players that are very important to their rebuild and very important to the future of the organization. Um, you know, It's different in a sense than, say, last season when – they, you had them shutting down Levine and Dunn at the back end of the season for what it was like a toe and like a kind of a sore knee or something. I mean, those were probably very much fabricated injuries or injuries that were, hey, my my toe kind of hurts. All right, we're shutting you down. Uh, he's got an injured toe. You, you want to call us out for tanking? Look, see, his toes hurt. You know, that kind of stuff I think last season was certainly a play. This season, as much as the front office said, you know, we don't want to be tanking again this year. I think they knew realistically and said at media day, we're not going to be measuring this season on wins and losses either, because I think they knew even if healthy that this team would have to really overachieve to be sniffing the playoffs. I think they knew that they're not stupid. Um, well, you know, they're not stupid in that regard. I should say, <laughs> um, I, I think there's certainly an element to, Hey, 
we know that we're not a playoff team this year. After a 4-12, and 4-13 and 13 start, we're definitely not looking like a playoff team this year. It stinks that we're dealing with injuries again. But now, given the situation we're in, no point in rushing any of these guys back. And to me, that makes sense. If you want to play into a conspiracy theory, and I'm not saying that you should, but, you know, the one thing that I've been thinking about recently, Matt, and I'd mentioned it, you know, prior when we had Portis's injury, and I didn't talk about it too much, but I want to get your thoughts on this. Like, there's, there's an article internationally that came out from Germany and big publications over there about who other than Paul, Paul Zipser. Zipser who were high I bring on. Paul Zipser up because the headline reads, Paul Zipser, virtually no confidence in Chicago Bulls medical team. I bring that up because he talked about it in an interview that he said he was lingering with an injury. He knew that something was wrong, yet he continued to play. And then he went over to Germany and realized that he was out. He's going to have a fra- I think he was fractured ankle, fractured foot. But regardless, is he talked about not having confidence in this medical team. So my my theory is, is like, how far do we go? How many injury? How many more injuries need to happen until until we start asking these questions? Like, what's going on? Why are all these guys getting hurt? And why are these injuries all of a sudden extending out to more significant amount of time? And so I'm not ready to press that button yet. But it's like, you know, all of these injuries accumulated over the last two years has to say something, right? I mean, that is something that you and I talked about a while ago um, when some of these injuries kept creeping up. Uh, you know, it was Dunn, uh, Dunn got hurt. Bobby got hurt. Va- Valentine's, you know, uh, timeline got pushed back with a setback. I just, I don't, I don't know if you just have to just clean house when it comes to your strength and conditioning staff or look somewhere else for answers. Uh, you know, we heard in, in the Casey interview that they're really confident in the person who's going to be performing Denzel's ankle surgery. Same same person who fixed Steph's ankles. So you, you feel good about that. But I mean, that's that's just, a, you know, a doctor, a surgeon coming in to perform a surgery when it comes to the day to day. You really do wonder, are the Bulls doing something wrong? With the, the way that they're treating these players and their bodies. And there's so much more we know now, even just compared to 20, 25 years ago, as far as what these players get with their bodily treatments and, and you know, supplements and this and that on a daily basis. The Bulls got to ask around the league and say, you know, what, what are we doing? What are you doing? Could we be doing something differently? I don't know if it's a, like a deep conspiracy theory kind of thing. But at some point, you're right, Jordan, you start to wonder if really all of these injuries are a coincidence because it's getting harder and harder to believe that. I go back to Portis's injury, you know, just a few years ago where he had the burns on the top of his foot and he played through those and nobody knew about those until the to the end of the season. Kind of shrugged that off, so that that was kind of weird. Like what? Like you did. You, I identified an injury and then just let him play through it. Okay, that's fine. But it, it clearly affected his play. And then Paul Zipser saying the same thing over the offseason. And I reached out to his people. I reached out to his agent to see if he'd follow up with some questions. We'll see what he has to say. But, you know, some people throw that in like, oh, he's just salty because he's an injury. And then the Bulls let him go. Okay, I could see that. But then the misidentification or not knowing what was wrong with Denzel Valentine, saying, thoughting, thinking it was a sprained ankle and then it was a bone bruise and then he's just going to have reconstructive surgery and miss the entire season. Like Those are three cases stacked up. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Like, 
like there should at least be a conversation and i'm curious when it all of a sudden becomes you know a spotlight issue right now it might not be for the bulls but i'm sitting here asking these questions like why are the timetables always getting pushed back and why does it seem like there's been multiple players here who have had injuries and then they become more severe than we initially thought that's just my question I th- and I think it's a fair question because it certainly has not been a great track record for the Bulls in the recent couple of years. So you know I'm getting 100 drops of that Paul Zipser audio in here, but <laughs> for real, though, I- I'm curious if the- he's got comments he's willing to say anything Paul about. Zipser, who so Paul Zipser, gen- genuinely Paul curious. Zipser, so, who are high right, on. Let's get to a couple other voicemails before we get out of here. So this one's from the 309. This is from Corey. Paul Zipser, who are high on. Hey, man, this is Corey Deer from Peoria, Illinois, and I just watched this Celtics game last night, and it was terrible. You want to talk about sloppy basketball, that's exactly what we saw last night. Like, it's, it was terrible. Back-to-back turnovers, and everybody's comparing Wendell Carter to Al Forford, and I agree that that's his comp. But talk about being baby Al Horford. Yeah, he looks like Al Horford until he plays Al Horford. Then he looks like Wendell Carter Jr. Also, um, I've been really – into Blakeney, I think uh, he has some promise, but last night, terrible. Talking about forcing up shots, uh, I don't even know how many shots he missed, but I know his field goal percentage had to be shit. So I just wanted to um, kind of vent for a second. I want to get you guys' thoughts on the game. Thanks for the Let call, Corey. Yeah, that uh, that Celtics game wasn't great. Um, wasn't a lot of fun, but he did mention a couple people. Like, I think it's funny in our Casey Johnson interview, he was laughing about Antonio Blakeney. Like, why are people getting on this guy and pissed off at Antonio Blakeney? And here's one of our callers that's mad about Antonio Blakeney. Like, the dude is just trying to make a name for himself. Um, but I thought the other comment that was funny was the Al Horford. Carter Jr. looks like Al Horford until he plays Al Horford. Um, yeah, he didn't have a great game, but look, Wendell's had to to challenge probably the top half of front court players so far in the first, like less than twenty games into the season. It's so nuts. Know, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's nuts how many tough assignments Wendell's already drawn in less than twenty games into the season. Yeah, and it's just not centers, too. You look at, like, Blake Griffin, he's got to go up against, Andre Drummond, uh, Jokic. Like, the list goes on and on. And, you know, not another easy matchup against Aiden either. So I don't know what you expected Wendell to be if you're angry at him that he didn't play well against the Celtics. Like, when you got a front court partner in Jabari Parker spending the majority of the minutes on the floor with you, that doesn't help. The only knock that we've had, I think, on Carter early is him getting into foul trouble, but that's also not really his fault either because he's got to help out everywhere on the defensive side. So I don't know what to tell you if you're mad at Wendell Carter Jr. and you're mad at the comparisons of Al Horford. I think we're, we're 17 games into the season. Like, it's way too early to be angry about any of that. Yeah, I, it's it's too early to make a definitive say, oh, look, Al Horford comp. That's what everybody keeps talking about. I mean, if 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 well, Wendell turns into an Al Horford level player, an Al Horford type player, that's amazing. Dude's a, a, like a four or five time All Star. Wendell at nineteen already looks like an NBA ready player. He's only going to get better. Yeah, he's had some some nights where he doesn't look that aggressive offensively, or he has you know some some rebounds that slip out of his hands, or he you know he has uh, a a brain fart here or there. But as you said, and as Casey was saying in our interview from Wednesday, like. 
the kid is already so smart and picking up things so quickly. Fred Hoiberg himself said he's like, this kid is such a fast learner. He's he's learning things and absorbing things and immediately turning them into action on the court the next night. So, yeah, there are going to be some bumps along the road for a 19-year-old kid. And you can't ask him to do everything, literally everything, including now being the vocal leader of this team at 19 years of age. But, hey. I mean, if you're trying to find positives in this season so far, and there aren't many, the first one on the list, maybe tied neck and neck with Zach Levine with his breakout scoring ability, has got to be Wendell Carter Jr. And, you know, you're anticipating there might be a rookie wall somewhere down the road after, you know, uh, just a one and done season at Duke. But, I, you know, I'm not concerned about that. I'm going to enjoy watching Wendell get better every night. Don't got much argument from you from on that. You know, that's... My only knock on him is he's gotten in foul trouble a couple of times, and it's put the Bulls in a bad situation where... Fred well, yeah, either. when you're the only one on your team trying to play a lick of defense, that's going to happen. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. All right, let's get to the final voicemail of today. You can drop us all your voicemails at 331-979-1369. This is from the 224. It's about the NBA. Hey, draft. guys, I love listening to the pod. I think you're both fantastic at what you guys do. My question is about the 2019 NBA draft. Some fans think it's the playoff team. Other fans want to tank. My question is, who do you think the Bulls should select if they wind up with the top five pick? My personal favorite is R.J. Barrett. This is a deep draft with a lot of wings, and he looks to be the best of them. Also, he's Canadian, so, you know, he's going to be one of the kindest draftees out of the bunch. But I've seen the Bulls' Twitter mention a lot of uh, Zion. And every time fans bring it up, it kind of irks me because we already have a front court of the future with the finisher and oatmeal. But it just hit me today that if we draft Zion, perhaps we could package him as the centerpiece in a trade for Anthony Davis. Then we get to keep Wendell and sign the best player in the NBA with Chicago Roots. It's a win-win scenario, or is it? Maybe I'm making it seem too simple. Anyways, guys, let me know your thoughts and keep up the great work. Thanks. All right, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. Matt, I think we're going to have a million arguments until we get to the point where we're talking about the lottery this season, about how bad or how good this team is going to be, what their lottery position is going to end up looking like. If you had to talk, if you had your choice of anybody in this draft so far, and I always like to temper expectations too, because you know when we talked to Ricky earlier on this week, I told him, I'm like, you know, guys slide up and down the board all the time. And even when there isn't games being played, guys somehow fly up draft boards. So it's really hard to predict, but it's easy to identify at least a few guys that are going to be available at the top. And we've talked about them already multiple times here. Barrett, Reddish, and Zion are the three key pieces. But you might see pieces, pieces that start to rise that guys aren't originally that were supposed to be there end up being being the vital players. Right now, Zion looks like the best player in this draft class. He's a, he's a man among boys, throwing down windmill dunks, looking like a dude that shouldn't be able to move as quick and as, as silky as he does. And he just he finds a way to do it, man. And I, I, if I have the number one pick, I'm going with Zion Williamson. Just just from the freak athleticism, adding him to this Bulls lineup would be, I would be, I'd be in love. I'd be in absolutely in love. Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes to the thing that the Bulls have talked about recently. Uh, Casey cited it when talking about their justification for signing Jabari. They are in a position right now where they're still just trying to add young talent and not necessarily concerning themselves with how well the pieces fit to that end. I think I'm with you. If they go that route, best player available highest potential superstar ceiling 
right now Zion looks like you know a, a once in a generation talent that it would be tough to pass up. But he's a power forward. You know, I don't know how he projects to play in the NBA if he's going to drop any of those 280 bills he's working with so far. Uh, and if he, you know, as you said, he's, he's light on his feet for a guy who's heavy as he is. But I don't know if he can really realistically rely on him playing some three. I've heard some Bulls fans say, hey, take Zion, play Lowry at the three. You know, like maybe Lowry can work on his, uh, you know, his defensive lateral quickness enough to to be a guy that you can just play in there. And there is a, also a, a truth to the fact that more and more b- basketball is becoming like a positionless game. It's like, hey, find lineups that work. Sometimes you go big, sometimes you go small, sometimes you have a point center out there, sometimes you have a point forward out there. It doesn't matter. The one, two, three, four, and five strict positions are not as crucial as they used to be. So in that sense, yes, I would love Zion. But, I mean, Cam Reddish would slide in beautifully as the three that this team needs. Also, a little further down, you got you know you mentioned guys sliding up or sliding down draft boards between now and next spring. The, the freshman from UNC, Nasser Little, Another guy who would slide in perfectly to play the three position for the Bulls right now. Right now projected, I don't know, somewhere between 10 to 15, maybe the late teens. So depending on where the Bulls pick ends, there's another guy that I'm watching. Ricky had mentioned one other guy too, Kevin Porter Jr. from USC. The, the, everybody's touting him early on as like, is this going to be the next Trey Young, the next Trey Young story? The guy that just is an absolute score, can score from absolutely anywhere. He's not going to get a lot of attention, I don't think, throughout the season, unless USC is somewhere between 1 and 15 as far as their ranking. Once tournament time comes, I promise you, you'll hear more of him. And as as the combine comes up in the lottery, too, it's another guy. He He's 6'5 and a half, 217, plays the guard-wing combo. So, yeah, he's not a perfect fit at the three, but that's a guy that can come in and score right away. And that might not be what you need necessarily with this team, but a guy to keep your eye on. But like, like you were saying, at the top of the draft order, and our caller here said he doesn't necessarily want Zion. He said Zion is a, which he, like you had mentioned, a four, and we already have a ton of front court depth. We need a guy that can play the wing. And he mentioned Barrett and Cam Reddish too. So, you know, that's splitting pairs at this point. Like between Zion, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, that's splitting hairs. I'll take any of the three on this Bulls team immediately. Hey, also, Bull Bull, baby. <laughs> the the son of the late great Manute Bull. I've been very excited to watch uh, him make his transition to college hoops. He's playing at Oregon this season, 7'2", 235, and a wingspan that reaches probably halfway to China. The kid is a freak. He's also uh, a guy who was trying to turn into one of the, the new age bigs who can knock down outside shots. He's not looked great. I'm not going to lie. He's not looked great. And yeah, when it comes to fit, the Bulls front court is packed already, but I just just because I, I love Manute Bull when he was playing, I'm, I'm very intrigued and also watching Bull Bull closely when it comes to guys who are projected to go as lottery picks this season. Yeah, he reminds me kind of of, of Thon Maker, and Thon Maker hasn't necessarily worked out for the Milwaukee Bucks, but yeah, in a situation where somebody needs a, a front court depth, sure, but not here at the Bulls. I just I'm excited to watch him in college, but outside of right. that, yeah, you could see him somewhere at the back end of the lottery. But he to me seems more like Thon Maker, and Thon Maker didn't get as much hype because he didn't play in college. Uh, 
But yeah, I think being able to see Bull Bull play with Oregon, give him a little bit more tout than maybe Thon Maker. But I see them as similar players, guys that can handle the ball, big men that can shoot, super, super ridiculous wingspans, guys that can block shots, but they're super thin too. And so, I don't know, it hasn't worked out necessarily right now for Thon Maker, but maybe it will for Bull Bull. Yeah, he had a pretty good night uh, the other night, dropped in 19 points uh, against uh, Green Bay. So, you never know. You never know. So so many young pro- prospects and talents that the Bulls could be keeping their eye on. And guess what? As a Bulls fan, you should be too because we're going back to the lottery. <laughs> well, that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. You, we're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peckham, Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for hanging out with us here Drop us all your voicemails, 331-979-1369. Your text messages there. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 